So good to see Carrie back, <clears throat> and we're so pleased to be able to be a part of her training and sending her. That's one of our values here that we have, that we want to see people released and blessed in their purpose, and part of that means that we hope to send missionaries out, we hope to send church planners out, we hope to send other plant pastors out, and isn't it great to be able to be a part of that? Thank you for your giving. Um, hopefully I'll make it through without a big cough. I'm, I'm speaking bass today. It's been a, been, a, been a fun, interesting week. This last week we had a great prayer thing on Friday night, and uh, earlier in the day Friday we had several needs that came up, one of which was uh, you know, one of those parenting moments where you go, oh, jeez, am I just a bad parent or what? I had to take my youngest son into the doctor. He actually has two bones broken in his foot from a stress fracture, and we made him play a soccer game and a basketball game on that. <laughs> Ah, son, it's just, you know, little aches and pains. Be tough. <laughs> and he was. He actually did pretty good. <laughs> so, so anyway. Hey, we're, uh, speaking of relationships, we're, we're in our questioning the relationship series. And, and you guys submitted a bunch of questions. And some of them are, some of them are very, very painful and difficult. We had, we had several questions that basically said this. My spouse is abusive. Where is God in that? And what does He say about how I should handle myself in that situation? And that is a cry for help and a desperation point. And we're not going to address very specifically that particular issue. I'm going to actually write something that will be uh, either referenced or in the after the message this week that will kind of give some biblical guidelines and thinking about that. And, uh, but I want, to, I want to speak to anyone who's in that situation Find a counselor, a Christian counselor, or come talk to one of your pastors. Uh, don't, don't go through that alone. God's got better for you. God's got more for you. And he wants to bring healing in, in that situation. We had a number of other questions as well. This one, where is God when I feel like such a failure to everyone? You know, not meeting others' expectations, not meeting my own expectations. Um, how do I forgive and forget how do I let go of the past and live in the present? And where is God? Here's another one. Where is God when I have so many difficulties in marriage and forgiving? And, and the reality is that these questions all, while we could talk maybe specifically about some of these different questions, they all, they all come back to a similar place. The fact that God created us all with longings, intense longings, needs that need to be met, that He created in us. And when those are not met or, or when they're maybe even trampled on, maybe, maybe the need for love or the need for acceptance or security, when those things, when those things are trampled on by others, it, it becomes an issue where we just struggle with forgiveness. And it's so common. This is not a message today about marriage. It's a message about relationships. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about friendships. In all of the illustrations, I think you can learn something whether you're married or not. And then there was this question that somebody, somebody gave to me. I was talking with someone last night, they said, who doesn't know God about their relationships and how they get their needs or their longings met. And they said, I give to people so I can get back. And it made me think, they go on to say, why do we give? Can other people meet our needs? I seem to always be let down in some way by those closest to me. Doesn't God want those needs and longings that He's given us to be met? 
And those longings are, are something intense in our life. They're not superficial things that we can address by just a mere act of kindness. They're, they're, they're this deep ache in our heart. They're, they're this cavity in our spirit that demands to be filled. And if it's not filled, we can't make it go away. We can't ignore it. We can't negate it. We can't dismiss it. We have these needs that God has created in us that, that, that must be met because God created them there. And yet, you know, we often fill them in, in unhealthy ways because of our brokenness. And to kind of set this up, I want, I want you to watch, a, it's a little bit of a longer video clip. It's a drama. And it's about marriage. But it really starts to get at this issue of our needs and, and unmet needs. And, and I just want you to listen to this. Even if you're not married, just don't listen to it as a marriage thing. Listen to it as a relationship thing. Go ahead. Can't you see what I mean? 
I tried to be a good wife to you, I did. But there's something wrong with me, I can't do it. And you're a good man, Jimmy, you deserve better than that. I don't want better than that, I want my wife. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you cannot love this. Nobody can care for this. You think that I'm stupid? I can't see that you're a walking contradiction. And why can't I love you? It's my heart. It's my love. I can do with it what I want. I can love my mother. I can love watching bees suck nectar from a flower. And I can love your eyes when they're desperate and lonely like this. It's mine. I'm allowed. I invest my love in you because that is who I am. I'm your husband. I'm the man who promised you through thick and thin. And if you could feel those words in a way you let me in right now, you wouldn't question whether I'm capable of loving you or not. You would say that enough. He loves me that much. What are the longings that you see there driving Lisa? Can you relate to any of them? And what are the beliefs that keep her from having those longings met by her husband? Can you relate to any of those? You see, this is not a, a marriage message. This is a relationship message because all of us have experienced unmet needs. All of us have experienced dreams, longings, the things that we need to be fulfilled in our life. Not only just unmet, but even walked on, even trampled on by others. And we've experienced that pain. And we all have core longings. We can, you can look at them different ways. Here's one way we could, look, we could look at them today. We all have a core longing to be loved, to be intimate with someone without shame, to be unhidden with someone. We all have a longing for safety and security, to have a safe, secure environment, for somebody to watch our back, somebody we can trust to have a good, good and protective mode towards us. We have, a, we have this longing for belonging and acceptance, the, the need to, to be enjoyed by others and to enjoy others, to be a part of some, a group of people bigger than ourselves and to feel like we belong there. We have, we have needs for significance and worth and value, a longing for the sense of a longing for greatness, to, to be unique, to be special, to, to be valued. And we have a longing for purpose, to, to have a purpose to our life, to, to do something that means something, that, that makes this whole life worth living, something of deep and lasting impact. And the reality is we could probably sum it up in our search for love Love is really the thing that encompasses all of these needs. When, when we feel loved, these needs are met. That's when we feel love, when these core longings are met. In our video, Lisa coped with, with 
her trampled on needs from the past and her baggage from the past and, and, and maybe even her baggage from the current in terms of unmet needs by having an affair. And maybe some of you have done that as well. Others of us, when we, when we cope with these things, we cope with it by eating more or eating too much or eating the wrong things or, or TV or escape or playing golf or just putting distance in our relationships. But, but we all have different unhealthy ways that we tend to deal with these needs. And here's just a sample of a couple of the different ways that we, that we deal with needs in an unhealthy way. Some of us, we just choose to run from intimacy. We keep our guard up. We keep the protection up. We just, you know, we may be friendly. We may even have lots of, we may have people around us thinking we have lots of friends. But the reality is none of those friends go very deep. We, we're, a, we're a person in a crowd that feels lonely when it really comes down to it because nobody really knows us. Or maybe some of us go this route. Maybe some of us go the cynicism route and and we become kind of almost this sarcastic, irritating personality that, that we push people away. We, we challenge them to prove that they're worthy of, of caring for us, that, that prove that, that they're worthy of us opening up to them and allowing them to meet our needs. And, and we remove even in that attitude some of our responsibility. We, we put it on other people and we say, hey, they failed. They weren't strong enough. They weren't good enough but it's really us pushing them away. And some of us, we set these unrealistic expectations on others. We, we expect them to, to genuinely love us, and if they don't meet those expectations consistently all the time in the way that we think, or most of the time in the way that we think, we, we hold them accountable saying, you just failed me. Maybe an ex-spouse or a, or a parent that left us unsecure, feeling unsecure in life. They failed us. We almost create these self-fulfilling prophecies where we, where we try to set people up for failing by setting expectations that are so high. Probably the most common one that probably all of us have dealt with at times is, is the approval addiction. What must I do to please people is the question. And we do whatever we can to please people. Maybe you grew up in a home where, where conflict on certain issues was not allowed. You knew that you couldn't talk to dad about this without him blowing, so everybody would do their dance around it. And we'd avoid it and we'd do whatever we could to please dad or whatever we could do to please mom. Or maybe you learned it from a coach or a, or a boss. Or, and maybe you took it into marriage that way if you've been married. And you live your life just trying to please your spouse, just trying to work hard enough that they'll say, yes, you're doing a good job and you're worthy. You know, this happens all the time, not just in marriage, but in friendships, because we take these wounds when our unmet needs have been trampled on and we, we put it into our friendships and we run this cycle where, where we go through disappointment and change and, and, and maybe, maybe we start to invest in a relationship and it doesn't go where we want it and all of a sudden they let us down in a big way and and so we, we change relationships. We go somewhere else and, and hope again that we'll find what we need. And, or maybe we just stay in those relationships and we just learn to be a person who's okay staying at the surface level. We're just going to have fun. We're going to be smiles. And, and, but we never go deep with anyone. And so we just feel like, would they really ever love me if they really knew who I was? Would they really accept me if they really knew who I was. In marriage, you know, we approach that oftentimes with this bliss and this wonderful, wonderful expectation. And, 
and, and then two to three years down the road, we, we just things just hit the fan, or, or seven years down the road, or six months down the road, things hit the fan, and, and we just think, what's, what's wrong with me? You know, what are some of the ways on here that you respond in an unhealthy way? Think about it. For those dreams that were trampled on or, or unmet that you expected to be met through family or relationships, when, when you have those longings met, where do you go? What do you do? How do you live in this list? You see, we spend our lives searching for love, searching for these longings to be satisfied. And, and John and Stacy Eldridge in their book Love and War talk about it like this. She says, uh, three years down the line into their marriage, this marriage that everybody thought was supposed to be blissful and perfect because they were both superstar Christians, was supposed to be wonderful. They, they're sitting at breakfast one morning and she just looks up and says, maybe we should get a divorce. Maybe we should just get a divorce. And many of you have been there in that conversation. And Stacy writes, she says, Now looking back, I see what a broken young woman I was, a, a little girl really longing to be loved. I was nearly certain I never would be. I didn't deserve to be loved. When I was young, I just wanted someone to delight in me, but it never happened. I wasn't seen, and I wasn't wanted. And for men, we still have, we have that same need for acceptance. We may not put the word delight to it. Maybe that's a little bit too feminine of a word. Maybe we just wanted our dads to pat us on the back and say, good job, son. But they didn't. And she goes on to say, I brought my wounded heart into my marriage and, and my expectation was, hurrah, now John is going to meet all these needs. He's going to love me in the way that I need to be loved. He's going to fulfill my broken heart and heal it. And, and she says, but even when John did love me, I didn't believe him. And I can bet that every guy in here who has been married has had that conversation. You've probably been with your wife at some point and said, I love you, honey. You're beautiful. You did this great. And they looked back at you and said, yeah, right. Sure. You don't really think that. Right? You've all had that conversation if you're married. You've seen that happen. Stacy goes on to write, There was always a part of me waiting for the other shoe to drop. All my friendships growing up were tales of betrayal and abandonment, including every boyfriend I had before John. And just as an aside, her statement there just brings to, brings to mind for me why I don't really think the American approach to dating is even a good thing. Because it leaves our lives so scattered with abandonment and betrayal. It creates baggage for us that makes it even harder for us to understand how to get those needs met later sometimes in marriage. She says, I was just waiting, believing I was a deep disappointment. And when you walk around like that, you're afraid all the time. And she continues to say, I see now how I look to John to fill me. Expecting, demanding, needing him to fill her in a way that a spouse really cannot in a way that a parent or a friend, if that's your situation, really cannot. We walk through life expecting people to meet this need for love. And our search for love is so often focused on the people around us. Just meet the need. Please, would somebody meet the need? Would somebody accept me? Would somebody love me? And when it doesn't happen, all too often we start blaming ourselves and saying, I'm just not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, I'm not kind enough. I'm, I'm just not smart enough. 
And we start blaming ourselves. But in the midst of that blame, what always happens when we start blaming ourselves is we can't handle that. And so all of a sudden we have these fights with our spouse or with our friend or with our parent, whoever we're, we're talking about who's let us down. And, or or maybe, it, maybe it's not an ugly fight. Maybe it's just an ugly, deafening silence that we start to set rules up and we say, you know what? I'm never opening that area of my life to them again. This is a question in an area that's off limits. And we go through life hiding ourselves, believing the lies and coping with that by hiding. She goes on to say that I turned to food because I didn't know how to handle the hunger and disappointment in my heart. And, and John then goes on to describe in the book as well how he had a similar brokenness. But he just dealt with it different. He went off into work and, and getting significance there and left her behind and, and neglected some things and neglected himself. And, and he comes to this conclusion. He sums up what he thought about their marriage and where how it started and, and what they expected in this wedding announcement. And he, he says, Will anyone ever love me? was joined in marriage to I will never need anyone last week. The groom, Mr. Insecure Perfectionist, wedded his bride, Miss No, I'm a Disappointment at the Congregational Church. The lovely train wreck was taken up residence in Monrovia in a public reception and a private disaster are soon to follow. And that is so true. Relationships are hard. They are fabulously wonderfully hard for everyone. And you may be sitting there, oh no, so-and-so has so many friends and, and this, this marriage over here, they look like they don't have any problems. And the reality is that what you're probably just seeing is the, is the people-pleasing going on in the front and everything's going on. But the reality is all of us struggle with these needs being unmet. All of us struggle with these issues in marriage and friendship and family. Some of us struggle more, some of us struggle less but we all struggle. And the Eldridge's in their book go on to say, what made our story confusing and delayed our breakthrough even more was the fact that we were really involved at church. We had gone through premarital counseling. We had read a few marriage books, and then he admits, okay, maybe just one. Someone had kindly given us one year of those marriage, uh, one of those marriage weekend seminars in our first year of marriage because they saw that we needed it. And we'd gone and we'd enjoyed it and we'd aced all the exercises. We were in weekly married couples group for heaven's sake, they say. We had all the tips and the techniques. And those tips and techniques are good. We're encouraging you to take classes like listening for heaven's sake and speaking the truth in love to learn the tips and techniques to learn how to have healthy relationships and healthy communication. But the reality is those tips and techniques fall short. So often, if we just rely on the tips and techniques, it's like rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic because there's something deeper that is common to all of us. And it's these longings that we wrestle with. It's these longings that drive us. Even if we're not aware of them, they are driving our behavior. Even if we stuff them down and ignore them, they are driving our behavior and they will be met either in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. And the reality is we're all deeply broken people. And few things like close relationships, whether it's family, marriage, or a best friend, bring out that brokenness so strongly. And when the disillusionment hits, 
It's so easy for us to to use one of these coping mechanisms to to push it away or or just to work harder or, or to change relationships. But God wants us to know that every relationship is going to hit the fan. And when it does, it's not time to run. It's time to press into Him and learn something different because God uses the relationships in our life to heal us, to to expose that brokenness and bring healing to it. And you know, when two people who are broken, we all we all come up with our own ways to cope with this. You know, I may cope with it one way and, and Wendy may cope with it another way and, 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 and my parents may cope with it another way. And when two people, especially in marriage, come together and they're coping with it differently, it's like two broken people colliding with different expectations and different coping skills and... and and it becomes something where, especially in the intimacy of marriage, it's bound to prick you and, and honestly to make you think the other one's a prick. Because we're just searching for love. We're just searching for these longings to be met and asking for someone to heal the wounds. And when we get in these close relationships, then, then not only are we asking that kind of behind the scenes, but we start making these demands. And we say, my dad always failed me or my mom always failed me or somebody else always hurt me and I expect you to provide this for me. I expect you to be consistent in protecting me and and making me feel secure and loving me and and affirming me. And when that doesn't happen because two people are broken, it, it creates this weight in the marriage. And think about it. What are some of the core expectations, some of the dreams you've had for family or relationships or friendship or marriage that have never been met fully, that, that continue to go unmet and they cause pain for you. And you, you project that onto someone next to you. How, you know, how, do, how do we have good relationships? And, and we start projecting them onto other people and then we, then we start asking these questions. We, we end up having arguments over that and, and we walk away from those arguments. And how many of you have ever had this feeling when you walked away from one of those arguments about one of these longings, one of these dreams that, that they just keep failing you in? And, and you walked away after that conversation going, I, I don't know if I can ever measure up. I don't know if I can ever give you this. I I don't even know if it's in me. I don't even know if I have the capacity to do what you're asking me to do. So the question is, how do we have deep relationships without disappointment? How, How do we get needs met while navigating each other's brokenness? How do we live a life of love and and not become hard and tougher? or distant and closed off, protecting ourselves. How do we find the love we're searching for? Well, let's look at Scripture. 1 John 4.16 says this, and it says, We have come to know. This is one of Jesus' closest disciples, referred to as the one Jesus loves. And he says, We've come to know, meaning... This has been a process. This has been a struggle. This is not something that happened overnight. This is something that I have come to know through slugging it out in life and, and have believed, he goes on to say. In another translation, it says, instead of have believed, it says, and have come to rely upon this, the love which God has for us. You see, our needs can only be met through God and through His love. 
And it goes on to say this, God is love. He's the definition of love. He's the one, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. God is love, and our search for love is a search for God. Yet we confuse it as a search for something from someone else around us in a relationship. When it's really a search for God. The longings are created by God, and He designed them to be filled by Him. And He's the one who gives us the gifts to fill them. Yet we often expect that from other people. We often expect those needs to be met from other people. And, and so when we talk about this whole reality of saying, well, God's the one who has to meet those needs, not other people, we kind of have this response. And the practical reality is that, that, that we feel like we can't live a life isolated from people and only have some sort of mystical meeting of our longings through God. That just doesn't seem to live where we live. That just doesn't seem to be realistic. And, and there's two things associated with that I want to I I draw your attention to. Part of the reason we feel like that mystical sense of God can't meet those needs is because we've been brought up in America, most of us, in a religious atmosphere that religion is about morals, it's about higher ideals, and it's about a God who, yeah, sometimes He intervenes, but He's really kind of distant. And if we just learn how to behave and how to act and, and what He expects of us, then that's really what faith and religion is. And that is so much of a lie. It's a flat-out lie. Because faith in our pursuit of God is about relationship. And God wants to show Himself to each of us. And He wants that mystical experience of Him, even though we may not be able to explain it to others, and I may not be able to explain how it happens for me to you fully. He wants that mystical experience of Him to really, truly, deeply meet needs in us and for it to be as tangible as I am talking to you today. That's what faith is. And yet, there's also truth that that God has designed it that other people do meet those needs in our lives. And there is an expectation, even from His commands on how we should love one another, that we should be part of meeting those needs in others. So, but, but developing a relationship with God that says we have come to know, we've come to experience and believe and rely upon that God is love does at least one thing for us in this whole dilemma, in this whole process. It allows us to remove the demands for that other person to meet the need. Because they're not our source. God is. And that still sounds a little bit like semantics, but think of it this way. It allows me, when, when Wendy comes to me and meets one of those needs, whatever need it is, she comes to meet, even if it's an area where she's inconsistent, and even if it's an area where it rarely happens, even if it's something she does unintentionally, to meet that need, it allows me to look at that and celebrate it and receive it as a gift of love from God without having to create an expectation that that's always going to be coming from her and solely from her. It frees me to receive the gift God wants to give me through the people around me. And it removes that weight that is so unbearable that has caused so many of us to walk away from arguments and conversations with friends, with family in our, in our marriage, saying, I don't know if I can ever be that to you. We can't live under that weight. John goes on to say this. In this way, 
love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. We'll have no more fear of being judged by God or anybody else when love is made complete. And he says, it's because this, because in this world we're like him. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about the idea that that God has created us good. Sin, all the, all the damage, all the pain from our longings not being met and from the, um, from the unhealthy ways we sought to meet them in our lives has left us as damaged, broken individuals. And yet, and yet Jesus doesn't see us that way. When we accept Him, when we decide to follow Him, when we ask for His forgiveness, He justifies us and sees us as though we were already complete and perfect. There's no fear of shortcoming with Him. In fact, John goes on to say this, there is no fear in love, period. But perfect love, the kind of love that God wants us to experience through Him directly and through others, drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And if He already sees us as completely whole, completely transformed, if that's the way He views us, even though we're not there yet, we're in the process of getting there, then there is no fear of punishment for any of us. And then it says this, We love because He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. And and this is getting at more of the flow and more of the direction that God wants to have in our life because God is the source for our love and all He asks from us is that we receive the love from Him whether it comes through somebody else or through through our communion with Him in our quiet times or walking throughout the day. Wherever we receive His love, our only responsibility in our search for love is to receive the love from Him and give it to others. Not to expect others to give it to us, but to look to Him as the source. And he goes on and says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has seen. Again, focusing us on our search for love outward, not towards us. But you see, when we get trapped in our fear and our worry and our unmet needs, we tend to go into protection mode or or need meeting mode where protection mode, we, we we tend to hold people off and we say, if you really love me, then you would do this or or a real friend would do and we fill in the blank with whatever area they offended us in. Or our behaviors become something where we're trying to cover our butt. And we go to work and, and we become overly protectionistic. We try to document everything and we, we go so overly protectionistic that, that it creates suspicion and it creates distance and creates tension in the relationships. And, or, or in our relationships at home we put up walls and, and certain questions and topics become off limits. And, or, or we play a passive-aggressive game sometimes trying to protect ourselves where we don't really do anything mean. It's just that... It's just that we sit back and we don't do anything good and we allow people to, to wander in their brokenness around us without trying to even meet those needs. Or we just simply avoid by playing golf or watching TV or spending more time with the kids or friends or shopping or, or whatever it is. And when we get trapped in those unmet needs, we reverse the flow and the search for love. Instead of it being from God to us to others, it becomes all about our life seeking to meet our needs. It becomes all about us. Until we get our needs met, we're not going to do anything. And we're just going to continue to reject people and be angry at people and be frustrated with people. It becomes all about my need being met. 
But John teaches us the source is God and we give without strings attached and we can trust Him to meet those needs He's given us. You know, looking back at the video we showed earlier, <clears throat> some of you may, if you related to Lisa more than that, some of you may be sitting there going, I just wish I had somebody who would love me like that. It would be so wonderful to have someone who cared for me that that deeply that even in my desperate brokenness, even when I throw stuff in the face of somebody else, that they would still love me and stay with me. And some of you may have looked at the husband and thought, man, that dude's really unrealistic. I could never love that way. If I were hurt that much, I could never love that way. And some of you, maybe even in your cynicism, looked at Jimmy in the, in the, in the video and said, man, that guy's just a whooped puppy. He needs, some, he needs to have some strength to stand up and take care of himself. But what that whole video is about it's a dramatization and an illustration of the book of Hosea. Hosea is a prophet in the Old Testament. And the people of Israel have been desperately wicked. And God goes to this prophet and says, I want you to visibly show how much I love them in spite of how desperately wicked they are. And I want you to intentionally marry a prostitute. It's an amazing picture of God. You know, the questions of relationship, they all come back to this issue, this point at some point, at some time. They all come back to the heart issues, the longing issues, the need issues, the unmet needs, and who we expect to meet them. If we expect a lot of others, we put tremendous weight on them. And if we put weight on them, we probably put weight on them because we feel the same weight coming back to us. And if we do that, we probably also look at God and, and say, when God asks us to love, we probably look at it and say, God, that's unrealistic. I could never do it. And we think that God, in His interaction with us, is putting weights on us, too, that we could never live up to. Do you feel the expectations from God? Do you feel weight from what you think you need to do in order to be a faithful follower of Jesus? Does it make you feel heavy? Does it make you feel like it's impossible? What's your picture of God? We keep asking that because it's the most important question we can answer. What's your picture of God? Is He the one that you trust can meet all those needs? Is He the one that you run to to meet all those needs? You know, I want to do a little bit of meditation on a song and a video here that, that shows up in 1 Corinthians. And, and 1 Corinthians has all these words, you know, that we read and we, we, that describe love. It's called the love chapter. And we look at these words, patient, kind, no envy, no proud, not proud, not rude, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And wow, a big one that makes us feel really heavy, never fails. And we read that chapter most of the time and, and we read a lot of that and we, we take that as, as pressure for how we're supposed to perform towards others. And yes, it is instructive for how we're supposed to love others, but, but I want you to, to do your best as we, as we listen to this song and, and they're going to quote a bunch of 1 Corinthians 13 in there at various times. And I want you to think about God saying that to you. I want you to think of that's what God thinks toward you. And receive those same words. God always 
trusts me. God always hopes for me. God always perseveres. And he never fails me. Go ahead.
God wants to meet you where you're at. You know, in the first video, it's just a cup of coffee, right? What's that about? It's about this. God doesn't expect you to have to change everything all at once. He just wants to have a cup of coffee with you. He wants to meet you where you're at. If it takes years to change, it takes years to change. If it takes a lifetime to change, it takes a lifetime to change. Love is not about demanding that you perform in the way God wants right now. He wants you just to have a cup of coffee with Him. If you're here today and, and some of this message spoke to you, maybe you're, maybe you're one who's really even cried about this last week, even, even cried out to God this last week about unmet needs, about longings that have been just dashed and walked upon, and they're so, they're needs that you need met, and they're just so unmet. I want to encourage you to do two things. I want to encourage you to have other people pray for you because sometimes sometimes having other people pray for you is a way that God expresses Himself and meets us in this mystical way that we, we sense His love and His presence. I also want to encourage you to, to keep open the date of March 25th, our next transformation service. We had a service this last Friday and we're going to have another one on the 25th and, and, and that service is going to help you. There's actually worksheets that you can do. You can download off our website ahead of time. They're going to help you maybe identify some of those unmet needs, some of those areas where you need healing because your, your, your needs have been trampled on by others. And I want you to come to that service and allow God to minister to you. Would you do that? Lord, thank you so much that you are the one who always trusts in who you've created us to be and who we are. You always persevere. You never fail. You always hope. Even when we don't feel hope, you always hope in us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to release the people around us who we've put expectations on that only you can fill. I pray that you'd bring freedom in our friendships, in our family, in our marriages, and that you would help us to learn to see where you're at work, bringing us gifts of love through each other. In Jesus' name. Amen.